podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Season Review. It's me, Guy, and I'm joined by host of Scouser Tommy's Raw Contributor, an all-round nice guy, Jim. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing all right, thanks. I mean, I'm not sure about the nice guy thing. There's, there's <laughs> been times, you know, when that doesn't work, but, you know, I put a nice face on, don't I? Try, try. Absolutely. You're nice enough to help me out with this podcast anyway. That, that's <laughs> all that matters to me. Oh, but how are you doing before we get into this? I'm doing okay, thanks. I mean, I've sort of um, got used to the fact that we've not got football now, which is just a strange thing, because the season we just had, as we no doubt talk about, it's been never-ending, hasn't it? As soon as one game's over, you're thinking about the next, and as soon as that's over, it's the next, and there's sort of no break in between. You wonder how these players survive. It's bad enough just doing podcasts and things, isn't it? I know. I don't know. I was talking to Eddie the other day, and it was like, we had one raw, and then you're thinking, oh, it'll have enough time to have listeners and stuff like that. And then, like, two days later, there's literally another one. So it literally goes yeah. out of date. It's like, oh, God. But, yeah, we we barely had a break in between games the last uh, two or three months, didn't we? It was it was really busy, uh, un- unlike anything we've really experienced, really. But- yeah, yeah. It's good, though, I think. That's the thing, though. It's good. It's good to be busy. I mean, people say that a lot. You'd rather be busy than have nothing on. I mean, imagine being a middle a mid-table team who's like, not going not to get relegated, not going to get into Europe. God, just playing for the sake of it for three months must be off. Absolutely. Well, we had a few of them seasons, didn't we? we well. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to go back to them. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I mean, even, even the year previous was better when top four was a, a fight. But uh, anyway, we'll get into the good season. Um, I mean... Your overall thoughts on the scene, because it's undoubtedly had the, the mix of, of good and bad for, for multiple reasons on the pitch and off the pitch. But it's it's a it's a tough one to talk about, I suppose. But what's your overall thoughts on the season? I think it was like if, you, if you'd have asked any of us, and I mean, ignore the off the field stuff for a minute, but if you'd have asked any of us at the, the end of the Champions League final what we thought the season was like, we might we might have had some sort of slightly negative comments to some extent, but as soon as you kind of like let the dust settle, I think you look back and you think, well, basically think back. If you were asking me a year ago, what do I want from ne- from the, the seasons to come? Uh, and I'd said, oh, I'd love us to be in for four cups and maybe win two of them. I'd be, you know, we'd be laughing about how greedy I was or something, you know. And that's the thing. We won, we won two cups out of four. We won arguably the, the, the lesser half of the quad we were going for, but it was still, Still two cups more than most other teams have won and one cup more than I think any other teams won. So I think this season alone, we, I'm quite happy with that. I think we to do that after the season we'd had last time as well, when you started to wonder, you know, in the back of your mind, were we just like one season wonders when we won the league? Which we weren't because we won mm-hmm. the Champions League before that. But you still have these doubts and you still wonder, you know, has the magic gone? Has, has, have people sussed us out? But... And I think we answered that brilliantly. And I think I think that's that's my overall feeling on the season that, you know, we, we kind of responded to a, a hellish COVID 
empty stadium, depressing season when there's part of me thinks that we shouldn't have bothered with that season, but not just because we lost, because it was just so, it was just difficult to watch. No entertainment value to me. And then this season, I mean, it's been the, it's been almost the exact opposite. It's been entertainment every single game. There's just the odd game where maybe we've not been that entertaining. We've been kind of stifled a little bit, but it's just, it's been exciting. It's been fun. I don't think there's a single, you know, every, every game, if you take it just on its own merits has been, has been good to see. I've been a couple of games we obviously not enjoyed, but even then the sort of games that you're getting into and I, I know it's disappointing. Yeah. We didn't win the league disappointing yet we didn't win the Champions League but we won two trophies we got as close as anyone could I mean we, we really couldn't have got much closer than we did for either of those competitions that, that we didn't win in the end and you know it's anyone that's not giving you stick anywhere whether it's in the office or, or on social media about having a failure of a season just just like smile and laugh back at them and don't even respond because they know deep down they would they would bite your arm off to have that themselves yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think he, only Man City fans, and then you just go, "Well, you bottled your Champions League semi fan, so you can laugh <laughs> back at them." So again, it, yeah, yeah, you always have to wear the again on. You that. do, you do. <laughs> Even when they get to a final, it's yeah, you bottled it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, 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 undoubtedly. I think the further away we get from the Champions League final, you look back more positively at the at the season. Um, but have you got a favourite um, match from from the season? I think it's quite it's quite an early on one, and I, I mean, it, you kind of almost I wouldn't say you almost forgot about it, but there's so much happened in the season. It it felt like it it felt like it was a long, long time ago, but almost to the point where you you have to ask yourself was it was it the season just gone? But it was when uh, our mate Oli Gunnar Sunshine was it whatever his name is can't say his name Oli Gunnar <laughs> Solshire was at the wheel. So you only know the words to his song, not how to say his name. And we went to their place back in October and. The final score was Manchester United nil, Liverpool five. The sort of scoreline where you've got to put the score in brackets afterwards in words, because you know people might think it's a typo. Um, that that game was just. I think one thing I've said in the past is like, and uh, you know, with all due respect to my my friendly other half, uh, well, other quarter of Liverpool friends who support the other team in Liverpool is, uh, and I don't mean Liverpool reserves, that other one, Everton, is that. For the last few seasons, you've gone to a derby game and you've laughed. You've basically mm. laughed at some point because Everton, you just you just laughed at Everton because you've played, you've beat them, you've made them look silly and you just ended up laughing and you laugh at all the anger and the fume and everything from the rest of them. And that's what happened in this game against Manchester United. We just literally played them off the park and we had the game won. It was 5-0 and there was still like, we don't, I think 50 minutes had gone and it was 5-0. They ended up with 10 men, but we were already winning 5-0. And I think there was almost a point where we started to feel sorry for them. And it was just, it's just, I think, as a one-off game, in the end, it didn't count for anything. It didn't win us the league. It made us make sure we're in next season's Champions League. But other than that, it didn't win us the league. But as a one-off game, it was just how far they fall and, and all this abuse we've had. Because I can remember when we kept winning the league I can remember being at Anfield and there were fanzines and T-shirts telling them how many years it was since they'd won the league and how many times we'd won it and all this stuff when we were gloating at them. And to me, it felt like at the time, it wasn't sort of arrogance. It was like a bit of fun, a bit of a laugh. I always felt Man United fans were arrogant even when they weren't winning things. So when they started to turn it round and we were struggling, they were winning. They weren't nice people, I don't think, a lot of the time. They weren't. Even, even 
people that you thought were okay. Once they got into football mode, they were kind of miserable, nasty people almost at times. And I think not all of them, but enough of them that it wasn't easy being a Liverpool fan when you had to listen to that all the time. There's all, also all the other stuff that get that they get involved with that matches the stuff they sing that they shouldn't sing. So when we just came to that game and we just literally wiped the floor with them, we just showed them the gulf between the two teams. It just felt like poetic justice for all those years of hassle. Maybe they're laughing now at the end of the season because we didn't win the league, but you know what? We didn't win the league even though we beat them 5-0. It's, it was an amazing game. It just felt like we were really sort of gelling now. We were really showing things. The contrast between that and, as I said, last season, that was one of the moments when it felt like, you know, this could be a season to remember that. I think that, that just felt like we were, we were becoming, we were becoming unbeatable. And you could, I mean, Gary Neville, I think, probably spent the whole game complaining about how bad Man United were. But you know what? Mm. However bad they were, we were so good. They still would have struggled. We were just so good. But it was a bit of everything. The good, the bad, and yeah, maybe in the commentary box, the ugly. Yeah, that was a fun day, that one. <laughs> half, well, basically most of their stadium leaving. Well, I don't think it was half time, but when, the, when they're showing that clip of all the fans leaving, was it? it was like 30 minutes in. So it was... It was astounding that game. I mean, and to beat United, was it nine nil on aggregate throughout the season as well? It's just, yeah, that's it. Nine nil on aggregate, yeah. exactly. And they didn't score against us, and they let nine in. And that, and in a way, sort of, I mean, their best player is their goalkeeper, and he let nine in. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, even at our worst, we were never that uncompetitive in a game that should mean more to the players. So it kind no. of sums up the problems with them. Yeah, because that's the thing. I think that's the thing. One, one of the things with Liverpool is we could go through a season and really test out against whoever was in the top three of the league, even in our bad years. And maybe we'd get a result or a draw. Not a draw, if not a win, sorry. We'd may, maybe lose narrowly by the odd goal. But we'd really put a fight up. And the frustration for us all those years was that then we'd go and lose against Norwich or someone. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that, that was the frustration. But they didn't even put a fight up against us, which just... And I literally was just laughing out loud throughout that game. And I wish I'd been there. Because obviously after the match as well, all the singing because we were locked in. But mm-hmm. you know, the, who cares? We're singing away at them. Um, I doubt there was anyone hanging around afterwards for trouble though from the Manchester side of things. Pretty well, sure they, they were all seventy minutes back. early. Yes, be a long way. But have you got a favourite moment? Does it come from uh, from that match, or is there another specific one? There's another one that kind of it sticks in my mind and it's stuck in my mind over and over and over again. And it's, I mean, it, it led to us winning a trophy. But I think. It was in the Carabao Cup final or the League Cup or the Rumbelows Cup or Milk Cup, as some of us like to think of it. It was, it went to penalties, of course, and it was so frustrating to sort of see Tootle think, right, I know, I'm going to take the keeper off and bring my penalty saving keeper on. And obviously, we'd played that game with our reserve keeper, who, who Klopp had just said, come on, Queeve, get in. You've played all these League Cup games in the build-up. You can play the final, which I think says a lot about Klopp, a hell of a lot about him, to not bottle out of that decision because a lot of managers would have come up with some story about how they decided to change it for the final. He didn't, and it, it wasn't because the Cup didn't mean anything to Was He knew what it meant to, to the players and how good he could be in this situation. So, so Tuchel just obviously brought his keeper on for the penalties. And to be fair to him, he didn't do too bad as a goalkeeper. He saved stuff, but no more, obviously, than our keeper saved. So, obviously, you get through the sudden death, then you get through 
so you get through the first five, sorry, then it's down to the sudden death. And you're going through each player, each player, and you're thinking, oh, my God, is it going to be down to the keepers? And even then you're worrying, like you're thinking, well, I don't know anything about our keeper. Can he take a pen? And he did. I mean, he took it in typical goalkeeper mm-hmm. fashion, but he did. He scored the pen. So now it was sort of, I don't know, it was just like, it just felt like it was just going to go all the way round again and it was going to be going to be here forever because they had this superhero, Kepa, who'd come on for the penalty shootout. But, of course, it was his turn to take one. And as far as I'm aware, that ball still hasn't landed. I just thought it was just poetic justice that he's brought this player on. It's such, I think it's just a cynical thing to do. You know, you sort of, even before, you can't bring subs on after the shoot, after the full-time whistle. You've got to bring your subs on before full-time. So to just do that, I mean, there's there's part of me thinking, I wish we'd just gone and scored against him in open play. You know, <laughs> I, wish, you know I wish we'd done something like that. But no, I think that, that was just poetic justice. Seeing that ball sail over the bar, not just, though, obviously, because it made Tuchel look a bit of a fool, um, but because it meant we'd won our first cup of the season. And that just sticks in my mind. It was just a bit of everything. I think poetic justice is my my theme for this uh, season somehow. Yeah, I think that my my favorite it was the same as my favorite moment when <laughs> mine was more when Kepa got subbed on and the result of it being funny as hell. <laughs> yes, that's it. It's, it's just, just like you know. Yeah. I mean, if any, I mean, what? I mean, the other guy, the guy they brought off, had just been through with shootouts in the African Cup of Nations, yeah, yeah. hadn't he? You know, it's like it just everything about it just made me laugh. And was their and, best player on the day as well. Yeah, I think I think yeah, and and that's it, and. It just sort of, I don't know, it just it just changes things, doesn't it? He must have, I don't know what's going through his head. I'm pretty sure that Tuchel's like real by superstition, though. Um, you know, the, the way they wore the yellow kits when they played us last time at Wembley and stuff like that. So I expect yeah. more weirdness is what I think. Yeah, apparently he's getting more power this summer, so it's gonna be a it's gonna be an odd one at Chelsea when they've just got a picture of Tuchel's face as the kit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that was a great moment. I think it almost made us fall, fall back in love with the domestic cups as well this season. So yeah, the yeah. really adds on. Uh, but we do have to flip that question on its head, and we have to go through the worst match and worst moment. I, I'm guessing most people went to this in the last couple games of the season, but um, worst match for you? Right. Yeah. I mean, I was. I would. There's part of me could think the worst match was the Champions League final, but in all honesty, I think what ha- happened off the pitch overshadowed yeah. anything that happened on it, and I hardly even thought about that match itself since. All I've thought about is what happened before and after, and of course, that's that's we could talk all day about that, but we won't today, and I'm sure we will as time goes on. We'll talk about it again, but I think obviously the game when we actually didn't win the league wasn't the worst match because we ourselves we played okay in the end and we got a result but I think it goes all the way back to it was just a bit of a miserable time and a bit of a worrying time a couple of months after we'd beaten Manchester United we were heading into this sort of the famous December sort of banana skin time of the season when when teams can start making mistakes and slipping up and we'd had all the Covid stuff going on where we were sort of having to Miss games because other other teams couldn't fulfil the fixtures, or we were players were missing from training, and it just felt like it was all getting a bit stop start. And you know, instead of being this mad intense loads of games in between Christmas and New Year, it was all, it was just all over the show. The league table wasn't being honest the sort of thing anymore because everyone's playing out of sync. And then we played our old manager Brendan Rodgers, and this is the game that stands out because in Leicester beat us one nil. I don't think we played particularly well. I think. We kind of almost, it was almost as if we were intimidated by the crowd in what is really quite a small stadium. So just the whole thing about that night just felt awful. Not just the result, but the way we came about it. Now, whether that 
ended up being a bit of a turning point for us and we sort of realised that we can't carry on like that. But that, that 1-0 defeat, in many ways, is what lost us the league. You know, we if we'd have played to our full potential that night, we would not have lost. The least we would have got is a draw. And a draw would have probably been enough for us to win the league if, mm. you know, all things considered in terms of where the pressures would have been as the season went on as well. It just felt, I don't know, it just felt miserable. And so it's a game that's kind of almost in the in history now. But I think really that's one of the main reasons we lost the league. And I think you can argue that we drew a lot of games as well, which is, is obviously the other part of the reason we didn't win the league. But to me, that, that night, we were better than that. And it was one of the nights where... I think there's times if I'm going to be critical of this Liverpool team, it's times when we go into games and we don't put... Sometimes you don't need to be in top gear to win a game, but sometimes you don't need to expect being in bottom gear is going to win you a game. And there was there was a few times we did that this season. And in the end, we found the gear we needed and got the result. But sometimes you can't do that. And when, you, when you're only conceding, I think it's 60-odd minutes in, there's not enough time necessarily then to find top gear. And we just, just did nothing. We just created so little and just... It was just a, just a miserable time. What a way to end the year. Yeah, yeah. That Leicester one, it was a tough one because Brighton draw, to be fair, Brighton were a quite a good team. Brentford started the season so well when we drew with them, but that Leicester, mm. when we played them, they were just dreadful. I think they just got beat by Man City like six something or something like that. So, yeah, to, to lose to them, it, it wasn't great at the time. Um, so yeah, it, it's the added it's the added Brendan Rodgers factor. It, well, is, isn't it? The, it you is. You know, you've not just lost against a team called Leicester. From you know, you've lost against Brendan Rodgers, who's now going around saying he's the he's better than Klopp and things. Well, he let him def- say that. He definitely you know? has that, like, as a wall hanger in his office or something yes. like that. <laughs> picture yeah. picture of that. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's had loads of DVDs done on it. He does just of that one game. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, it's probably true. Uh, worst moment. Now, th- this is can obviously be off-pitch stuff, which you kind of alluded to, and we've danced around a bit, or, or on-pitch stuff, but it, it's up to you, Jim. Yeah, I mean, again, I think, you know, I think I was thinking to myself, let's let's keep it to actual football. I think what happened off the pitch in Paris was a disgrace. There's people in French, well, in, in the French government who make our government look almost like they sh- like members of our government should keep the jobs but you know I feel I feel for the French people they've got a government that seems to be just as bad and ignorant and stuck of its own backside as our government so but I think once I get started on that I'm not going to stop so I'm going to I'm going to stick to football in moments and it wasn't long before that <laughs> that in my, in many ways it was the worst moments and I think that was it was that sort of thing where when with football you sort of you've always got hope. You're always hoping and hoping and hoping. You're always you've got to believe that things can happen. You know, Istanbul is an example of that. You might think, Oh, it's all gone, but it's not always all gone. And I think we went into that it's the last game of the season. We went into that thinking it's not gonna happen. I mean, as much as we love Steven Gerrard, he's not gonna his team aren't gonna beat Man City. They're gonna be two 0 up within half an hour. And that was kind of true, except it wasn't that way around, the score was the other way. And so we had hope. We had real, real hope because Villa were winning. And although you're thinking that's a long time for them to hold on, you know what? Villa could maybe do this because they've got a, you know, you could start re- really seeing City rattled. Meanwhile, we're not playing great on our side and doing our, our half of the battle. But, you know, as we've seen throughout this season, we, we always seem to find a way, unless we're playing Leicester, we always seem to find a way to get the goals we need. And, I think it was just that moment when I realised that that City had had made it three. That there was no way, no way now that Villa were going to come and make it three three or anything else. They weren't going to, you know, Villa Villa were out of it now. 
the league title was over. And I think it was it was the actual moment was when Salah scored that goal, thinking mm. he'd scored the goal that won the league, and knowing he hadn't. You know, it's that. And I think that's the moment that I think, if I take away anything from the season, it's that that everything you play for from the whole season just comes down to those those moments, literally moments. Which so, I'm going with that. It was a disappointing, depressing, miserable moment to be in. But as I've said already, when you when you reflect on the whole season, you know it's what we've done to be in the position to be disappointed like that it still shouldn't be taken away from us. We've done so much. It was. You know, Salah having a bad spell, finding his form again, maybe. You know, it's just just so disappointing. But that's that's football, isn't it? You know, and there's always another season. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll come on to uh, the ne- next season after this next question. But player of the year? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. And it's difficult, difficult really to sort of pick one out. I always hate doing this because you feel like if they're all sat, sat in front of you now, the players are waiting for you to tell them which one was your player of the year. There'd be so many disappointed faces and you feel <laughs> bad, you know, but they're not here. They're maybe not listening. If they are, I'm sorry, lads, but I've got to pick one of you. Um, pretend it's you. But it's no, I'm going to go with someone that, that actually wasn't with us for the whole season. And that is... A wonderful signing from January, the month when you should never sign new players. Luis Diaz, he's just been, I don't know, I just think he's been a breath of fresh air. I think he arrived at a time when, I mean, really, we we just thought we had the best player in the world in Mo Salah, who then kind of went off the boil a little bit after being in, in the away with his country in the AFCON. It, you know, um, Mane wasn't quite up to scratch how he was and stuff like that, but they were still phenomenal plays and had been all season. I think you look at Trent and what he's done to create stuff, but there was just something about Diaz that just kind of like, I don't know, it kind of refreshed us, revitalized us, re, reinvigorated us, reinvigorated us. It was just, it was just like a, a real genuine breath of fresh air. There's so much good about him. He's good on the ball. He's fast. He's strong. He's skillful. He's clever. He's, he's got, he's got the strength. He's got, I mean, literally, if you were sort of like on FIFA, I mean, I don't know how, how you'd rate him on FIFA, but you're going to have to give him high settings on everything because there's nothing he's not good at, I don't think. He's even good, you know, he's good at defending, good at getting back, good at holding mm. the ball, good at, at sensing danger. Uh, there's part of me thinks that we used to have the song it's about a team of Carragher's, but can you imagine the team of Luis Diaz? Because I think he could play in almost, I, would, I could imagine him actually getting his goalkeeper shirt on him, you know, and sticking between the nets if we were stuck and not doing a bad job but he's just such a good player it's obviously only half a season with him we need to see what happens next year but you know in many ways you know with all the sort of speculation about what's going to happen to two of the front players it's just so good now as well to think that we've got him who is just starting on his Reds journey and and wants to prove himself for Liverpool and we've got him for a good while to come and still got plenty of years in him whatever happens with the other front men I think it's just it's it was a, a wonderful signing and thirty seven and a half million as well. When you compare that to the to the hundred million Manchester City played on their wonder signing, I think <laughs> um God, it's it's just not bad, is it? <laughs> it's, it's I mean you could like you know, you could almost get three for the what they paid for that player. Yeah, I'm telling you now, he's he's worth more than three of that player himself, you know, it's just it's just unreal. So yeah, Luis Diaz gets it for me. But apologies to all the other players like Andy Robo, Virgil, Fabinho. You know I could be here all day, but absolutely. And of course the keeper. God, yeah. you can't forget about him. He's mm-hmm. won us so many games. But no, I'm giving it to Luis Diaz this season. If you are a player, let us know, and we'll do propaganda. 
That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, just DM us, me or Jim. We'll let the we'll let the higher ups know, and propaganda will start. That's how it works. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there a podcast that you've been listened to or been been a part of that you've particularly been, I don't know, either proud of or, or enjoyed doing? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think that just doing scouts of Tom is getting into that this season with Jay. I mean, it's been it's been good to get into it again, and Jay, being from a sort of younger generation than me i think he likes to mention now and again but it's true we we see things in slightly different ways but we see them from from the way of being from this part of the world where maybe maybe there's things that we we do without thinking that you sometimes have to explain to others and it's good to get the opportunity to just explain why we think things a certain way and i think the the events at the end of the season that was my favorite podcast on scouts of tommy's because Jay got the chance to explain what it was like to be there. And mm. and for me to sort of explain the similarities that were flowing out between what happened then and what happened in 1989 and the differences as well. I mean, the, the differences being that the social media, that the media have seen the evidence, that the world has seen the evidence, that people are on our side, that instead of having to spend decades getting people to realise what the truth is, that people can see it straight away. Obviously, establishments and governments and corrupt organizations being what they are there's still a lot of fighting to do to get the truth out but it was just good and i think i think i've said this already that anyone who was there that was struggling or anyone who watched it and was struggling because it it brings back memories the thing to do is to talk and you know i feel privileged that jay and i get the chance to do that and to talk and hopefully by doing that give people a chance to to sort of think well okay it wasn't just me then that felt this way and i think there's been a hell of a lot of that as people have had the chance to tell the story so that that was one of my favorite podcasts that i've been involved with as as was in fact the and you were the 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 raw that we did straight after the final because we were still finding out what was really going on we were still getting messages through off people and i actually i actually jumped off that raw to do a bit with sky sports news yeah and i was i didn't think I never expected I'd be talking about anything other than a Liverpool win or a Liverpool defeat mm-hmm. and really being happy or really being sad, but all football related. And of course, it was neither. Um, so yeah, that's that's. I think that's my the podcast I've been involved with the most this season that I've, I've taken the most pleasure out of doing. It's not even pleasure; it's not the right word. The right, you know, I felt have been the best ones to do. Yeah. Yes, yeah, because it's we you know we're lucky to have this platform. We're not. We're not the media. We're not the mainstream media. We're not. We're not a newspaper that's trying to sell papers with fancy headlines, or you know, a mainstream outlet that's trying to get sound bites that sound good, but maybe aren't mm-hmm. really representing anything. We're not. We're not attacked. We're here for the club, and we're here for the fans. When the club steps out of line, we'll tell it. You know, when our own fans step out of line, we'll tell them. But mm-hmm. we're here for for us. You know, we we are for us, and that that's you know, we're a privileged. We're in a privileged position to be there, and. You know, and that's thanks to people who listen to us and and appreciate what we do. But we appreciate the fact they listen. You know, and that we're all we're all part of. I hate to use the word LFC family, but we all we are are part of a big group of people with the same thing in mind and the same needs. And at the moment, what we need is to make sure that never happens again. Absolutely, absolutely. Just a quick eye on 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 the season coming up. Then I mean, transfer ones almost pointless asking, seeing as one's about to drop, whether it's today or tomorrow or over the weekend. But we're seemingly about to spend eighty odd mil on on Darwin Nunes. Um, but do you, do you want or expect any any other business outside of Darwin, unless we do a full Nabil Fakir there? But any other players you you want to uh, see come in? 
I think, yeah, I mean, I usually, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I try and stay out of all the transfer mm-hmm. window stuff because it's just, I've just seen what it does to people over the years. You know, it's, it breaks people because you start to hear rumours about players coming in and you start to picture them in the team, don't you? And you start imagining how good they're going to be. And then it turns around, turns out that we don't buy them because we didn't quite put enough of an offer in. Or maybe in reality, we never did have an offer in and the agent's been stirring stuff up and things like that. It's just, you know, there's so many people making stories up and so many people tweaking stories a little bit just to help their side on things you know so as much as we say that i mean liverpool are watertight now in terms of letting transfer information go out but you're not you're not going to stop an agent from thinking well if i just leak this to this guy you know he just sets a bit of interest up and that puts a bit of an auction in place and maybe i can get the money to go up agents yeah agents are not nice people on the whole i've never never known a nice agent if anyone's got one if you're listening you're a nice agent maybe you can convince us otherwise but no, I, I try to stay out of it. But that said, without naming specifics, and I hope the person you're talking about is right, but I'm kind of trying to trying to keep my eye, you know, trying to keep away from it just in case. But look, I, I've got so much trust, more trust than I've ever had. This last few years, most, more trust than I've had in years mm-hmm. about what we do on the trans, in the transfer window and what we do with our transfer business. Um, we're all worried about whether, whether Sadio is going to stay, whether Mo's going to go, whether we're going to lose them on free transfers. But you know that, Whatever happens, we'll do what we can. If we can't do anything like with Genie, we couldn't persuade him to stay. And in hindsight, it's got to be because of the money that he was being offered by his new club. Because all of a sudden they get to play without having, they can give him the money they would have spent on a transfer fee. We, we can't do that to keep players. It messes your wage structure up. If we can't find a way around that, so be it. We just, we just got to do the best we can. And the important thing this summer is not to stand still. So even if we weren't losing players that we don't want to lose, you couldn't just say, great, carry on as we were, because there's players getting older, there's players who are becoming less and less useful because they're just not quite getting in there, they're not knocking on the door enough. So you, you can't stand still, you've got to improve, got to improve, got to improve. So, yeah, you're spending, you, you, if, if we're losing, if we do lose two front men, we need to make sure they're replaced. If we know that we're losing one and another one's going in a year, we need to make sure that we replace one now with someone who can hit the ground running. And the other one needs to be someone who over the course of next season becomes the replacement in time for that player to go. We don't want to be left in the lurch. So if you can get a Luis Diaz, you're just going to come straight in and hit the ground running. That's great. Mm-hmm. But as we found, say, say in the back four with Canate, he, he needed a bit of time to bed in. By the end of the season, we had an outstanding centre-back that maybe became outstanding because we gave him the chance over the course of the season to, to be that. So, yeah, I won't name names. I just think we, we cannot afford to stand still. Nobody else will be standing still. And as long as it's not Harry Kane, I'll be happy. And now it's Harry Kane. But expectations uh, are the reality of next season. We probably know we'll be competing with Man City for the league. I mean, is 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 that just the expectation? Just be in the league picture and then Champions League get to the semi final and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, you've got to sort of. I mean, it's that cliche that's been trotted out by Liverpool managers for for decades, and and Klopp and his squad still use it, which is to take each game as it comes, win the game in front, so you don't think too far into the future, and that's what we've got to do. But the thing is, what you can say to yourself is, if you do that all season and if you take your chances and you play to your best of your abilities. You've got a chance that by the time we come to the end of next season, we'll be looking back and thinking we went for all four trophies again. Now, it may not happen. You can go out the League Cup unexpectedly because you, you played a young team. 
you know, and it just doesn't quite go your way. You can go out the FA Cup because it's the magic of the FA Cup and all that. But I think, you know, they're, they're the domestic cuts, but the league and the Champions League, they they really are the bread and butter for this club. We've got to be challenging for them. And obviously City are going to be the biggest people blocking us on the, on, on the um, Premier League. And in the Champions League, there's going to be plenty of people trying to get in our way. But I think, I think we could just, we, we're good at managing the, usually good at managing our groups, group games. And then when it comes to knockout, it's another story again. We're just generally speaking, really good at handling knockout games as well in Europe. So yeah, I've got high hopes. I mean, I hope we go a long way in the Champions League, maybe even win it. I mean, Klopp was talking about booking his hotel and I kind of get where he's coming from on that. I think, you know, we, we, we've played so well. We didn't lose a group game. Mm. We, we didn't. We we only lost in the knockouts when it didn't matter because it was aggregate that mattered. You know, when it's 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 been an amazing run in the Champions League. Why why stop it? We need to carry on with it next season in the league itself. Although we're feeling disappointed that we ran out of, of steam to some point to some extent in the end, we didn't. We were nowhere near the league title at Christmas, and then all of a sudden we were pushing it right down to the last day. So we need to carry on with that momentum. So. Without kind of saying, I want us to win the league, I want us to win the Champions League, I know we can challenge for both. If we carry on like we have been, keep the belief, keep the players that we want, replace the ones that are going to go properly, just stay behind the team, stay together. Um, it's like you see all these other clubs and the amount of toxicity from fans towards their clubs because it's not quite going the way they want. Everton nearly got relegated because of the toxicity that the fans created against the club and the players. Mm-hmm. Manchester United are not getting into the top four because of the toxicity at that club from the fans to the players and the managers, whoever comes in and to the board. You know, we are so much together as a team and as a club. Let's keep it that way. You know, we're going to make mistakes, but you know what? Klopp and his players learn from them time and again. When we get something wrong, we learn from it. Transfers with the transfer committee or whatever it's called these days. I don't think they use that phrase anymore. But we, we learned from all that. We went wrong with that and we've got things right. Klopp's learned from his mistakes and got things right. And the players are doing the same. So, yeah, my hopes are that we can challenge on everything. My expectations are that we won't come out, go out of anything without trying really really hard and doing really really well yeah absolutely absolutely but that's it Jim that was the last question uh, we'll be back with the second half uh, I'm not sure who it'll be yet who it will be yet I'm going to aim for Jay Reed because it makes sense with the other half of Scouser's Tommies but we'll be back in a sec Hello and welcome to the second half of the season review I am now joined by Jay Reed. how you doing Jay it's been a little while yeah, uh, as I was just saying before we started recording, it was a long, long season, uh, not only for the players, for the fans as well, and also for my bank balance, as you know, the cost of living in the UK these days isn't cheap, so uh, neither is the cost of football. <laughs> you know, Pe- trips, petrol, trips, Paris and London, it's not a good Petrol, mix. Paris and Wembley all <laughs> uh, means... June is a month off, and as I said, I'll be watching cricket and saving money. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, nice little come down on after the football season, but that—that that is why we're here. We're here to look back at the season, but money, regardless of not, some good memories, some I imagine bad ones that we'll get into. But but your overall thoughts on the season? Uh, you know, it, I suppose the end of it sort of feels like a little bit of a dampener, as most people have been saying. Um. But on the whole, I think I've always said all along for years and years, but I'd always like trips to Wembley. So to actually get to 
two domestic cup finals, I actually was lucky enough to get to the FA Cup semi-final and the final. Mm. Um, to go to Wembley, it's just a special day out. It's something that's embedded in you from from a young child, really, growing up in like family stories of you know uncles and dads and cousins and so on and so forth, all going down and having these trips to Wembley and days out. And I think oh, I've been to the Millennium Stadium a couple of times where we won trophies and then. Mm-hmm. I think the last trip I went to was the unfortunate League Cup game in Klopp's first season, uh, where we lost to City on uh, pens. I think it was. Mm, yeah, well, the, right the, it was the Sacco concussion game, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so you know, like my overriding last memory of Wembley really was a pretty poor one. So it was nice to get back there, um, and you know, bag two of them in the way that we did. You not got to England games, James. <laughs> What's it? What's England? Uh, that's uh, yes. Uh, so yeah, I it was just nice to do that. So I think if you were going to score the season, you know, you, you'd probably go like a nine point five because you know you you got to the last game of the season, you you had that moment thinking, you know, is it going to happen? Like that horrible rumor that spread around the ground where it was. Uh, I think City had gone three uh, 0 down, and you're like, "Oh my mm. god, it's on, it's on!" We 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 actually weren't even top at that point. We were drawn, um, and then yeah, that you know, Paris was a shambles from start to finish for for myself personally, for a lot of other fans. The game actually has just become a blur mm. of what actually happened in that trip. So I don't really remember much of what's happened in the game, and mm-hmm. I weren't going to put myself through watching it again because. Why would you? <laughs> Why would you really? Yeah. Um, so you know, it it's just sort of one of the things. A bit like Kiev or Kiev, however it's being pronounced these days, with the current still, political climate. Still Kiev to me. I don't know. Um, stuck there. I don't know. It's Jim. Jim. Jim says Kiev, and it 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 throws you off when we're recording. So I just go with Kiev because <laughs> that's, that's how I've always known it. Um, yeah, it, it. You know, we we had that final against Madrid, and it was also like a. You know, a, a sour taste in the mouth of sort mm. of how that one ended. But you know, soon after we got Fabinho, and you know, two weeks later, as we record, it's not officially done. But Darwin Nunes might be done by the time this is out. I said that. I think me and Jim talked. I think we recorded first. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be close then. Yeah, so it's it's Monday afternoon. He's somewhere in the northwest. I think having a medical day. Adam's plane track and his right. He's either in Blackpool or he's somewhere down the M57 or the M6 or somewhere, or <laughs> whatever. He's in the northwest apparently, so yeah. uh, fingers crossed by the time this is actually out and in the listeners' ears that he's in the red shirts, he's done all the the uh, Kirby leans and you know the nice photos and all Want that some business. chicken or <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'd love to know what Scouse Cup they're going to come out with for him. Um, mm. But yeah, that that's, you know, it, it it, it puts you back in a positive spin, a positive frame of mind. It, it you know, I, I'm glad there's no football now, but mm. it was a really good season. Like we nearly did the impossible, and that's why it is impossible because it's so hard to do. Um, but yeah, like season of our lives, we were all like living for the moment, and it was just good to be back in there after what came before with a season of no fans and celebrating the league with no fans it was mm. just nice to be back in the crowd and obviously I'm, I'm one of the privileged ones who gets to go every home game I know some people aren't as fortunate as I am so you take that mm-hmm. for granted up until now but now you go in there you're like wait well you make the most you can because 
football without fans really is shit. It's not even nothing. It's just shit. Yeah, absolutely. The last, well, the second half of that season, last season particularly, were it's not. It's just dull. It's just like void of emotion. That's probably it's just nothing. So yeah, it's sort of banked in with like the Hodgson era. Where yeah, you just forget that existed and you just move on from it and go to the next season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's just almost not canon of football. That's probably how you put it. Yeah. Um, did you have a favourite match? I mean, you mentioned the two cup finals there. I imagine that'll be a popular pick for for many people who are on this. Is that one of them, or have you got a particular match in mind? Um, I've got a couple. Um, I know, I know, you've got moments and that coming up in, mm-hmm. in a bit. Um, but I think. Personally, probably the semi-final against City, um, mm. you know, being such close rivals in in pretty much every competition, um, to go there and the performance we put up in the first half was sensational. Um, we ran the show like Thiago ran the game. Trent was awesome. Um, Diaz was a four on the side. I don't still don't know to this day whether Mane shinned it or meant to volley it <laughs> off his foot. I don't know. Um, but it was just a really good day out. Like the whole, you know, as I said before, the Wembley experience. Um, like a few of us went down on the trains and stuff, come back on the trains, give it, give a bit more to Man City fans who happened to be on the train back with us. Um, it was just a good, good vibe, like a good, good day out. And yeah, there's other games obviously that that people have picked, but I like to go for one that I was in attendance of really. Yeah, I wish I. It's one of the games I wish I was. I'm, I'm not allowed to go to games now because I'm a jinx. But yeah, we know this. Yes, yes. Maybe <laughs> pre season friendly, a community shield at a push, I reckon. <laughs> um, but yeah, one day maybe. Um, favorite moment then? There's two, um, and I know the obvious one is what probably everyone's going to go for is the United game and just seeing the mass walkouts because mm. you know as. You, you're a little bit younger than me, but you know, people of all the pool ages have been through that sort of doldrum of United fans always rubbing it in your face, always mm. sticking it to you. And to go there and do that to them, I don't think they've ever come to Anfield and done that to us, but to do that to them in their backyard in the first half, especially, mm-hmm. um, was special. Um, one that, like, it actually become funny. It, 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 I, you were enjoying it, and then it just become funny. It become like comedy that they were that bad, and we were so good. Um, and then you know taking the piss out of them in the second half. But it was relatively early in the season, wasn't it? I think it was still the oct- first third, wasn't it? In October. Time, October. So it wasn't. It wasn't like the second game where it was like, yeah, Man United are dreadful. There was still hope that Man United were at least a top four team then. I know Ollie was kind of on the verge of getting sacked, but it was like there's still talent there, and then they played us, and it was like. Oh no! And they still didn't sack him after that. I mean, yeah, I think it was a week or two later. Watford, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, Watford is so bad, and he done. He had to put himself through that, which you know, it was good to see. And just one more note: it was a a moment that I was in the ground for, where they didn't expect anything from it. Was actually Taki's goal against Leicester in the Carabao Cup. Mm. Um, You know, it may be a bit of a hipster choice, but. Going into that game, obviously seeing the team, it was heavily rotated. Um, Leicester put out their first team as well, didn't they? If I yeah, correctly. I think we had Cometio at centre half, and maybe we we beefed it up at half time, and oh god, uh, I yeah, went went a bit stronger. But you know, even going into it, like you sort of 
we were in the mindset of underclocked at the domestic cups. You know, you give or take. Was it an Afcon uh, game? Um, I, I don't. It might not have been that way. Yeah, I think we brought on no. Jota, didn't we? I don't think we had Mane and more there, did we? I might be misremembering. Um, and no, it was just pre-Christmas. Was it okay? Yeah, it was like the twenty. We might have just left him at home, then. something like that. <laughs> um, but either way, like you know, yeah. we, we weren't expecting much, and we we went a couple of goals down or whatever, and then just that like release at the end when like Taki smashes it in. And the whole cop just went mental. Like we've not really had that much this season. Like I was thinking back the other day, listening to Dave and Carl's pod, and like thinking of moments in the season and stuff. And we haven't really had like a European special at Anfield. We've not really had. We had good moments in the league against big teams, but you know, like the Spurs, City, Chelsea, we drew with all yeah. them. Like United was a rollover. Um, Everton was laughable, and I just feel like. That was a moment where the whole ground just went absolutely mental. Mm. Um, and it was like, it's Minamino, the lad that everyone's put down and sort of overlooked and don't know if he was going to have an impact on us. And he, he stood up in that competition. He got us to the final. He fully deserved to, to get his medal for that. Um, but yeah, it was just because it was the end of the game. And, you know, Leicester are a bit of a horrible team. They've got Fardy, they've got Schmeichel, they've got a horrible fan base who don't really care for any sort of compassion towards other people. And, you know, it was just nice to stick to them. And then obviously at the end, it was Jota giving it the old hand to the year, wasn't it? Um, when he scored. So, mm. yeah, it was just that moment, really. It was just a little bit special. I do like that shout. I do like that one. Because this kind of season was a re-falling in love with the, with the domestic cups. And that, that moments like that is probably the reason why all... all Equally as so as the finals and the semi-finals. Yeah, it was just like maybe at that moment you sort of thought, well, you know, we're in for this now because I think that was the quarters, and then we went through to face Arsenal, um, and you know Arsenal won in the Anfield nil nil. We must remember, and we, uh, we were avoiding playing them because we were scared of them. Yeah, 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 all that business. But it was probably at that moment that you thought, yeah, you know, we're in the semi-final. I'll give this a crack. Like, and we did, and we won it. And obviously, it weren't the greatest final in the world when we got there, and it was the the FA Cup. But it's sort of these things that you know keeps the lads involved. The likes of Simicus, likes of Minamino, and Origi has moments mm. in that competition and stuff. You you look at the squad and you think, well, look at other teams who've got such like fractured squads and unharmonious people within them and then you got us where like everyone just seems to be happy and it's it's reasons probably like that with the domestic cups where Klopp makes even like the youngsters like the likes of Tyler Morton and whoever played him I think like Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Blair popped up Harvey Blair Blair popped yeah. up in against Preston and there was probably a couple of others that Connor Bradley Kate and Gordon, so yeah. He was he was a he had a few he had, didn't he get a Premier League yeah? Kate Gordon I think I think he, one appearance in the Yeah. League. Off the bench, maybe, when I think he got a start against Strews being another start in the yeah. Carabao. But, you know, it it's why we're so successful at the moment. Because, you know, if you are a young kid coming through, there's a clear pathway. You know, there's, there's signs within the team. Like, Trent's the obvious one, but you've got the likes of Jones there as well. And even Kelleher in goal mm-hmm. has, has made his way yeah, through. Yeah, nice story with him. Um, it's just... It just probably all means like why we're so good and why we're obviously attracting players the likes of Carvalho who's coming in the summer. Like, 
you're 19 years of age and looking at Liverpool going, well, yeah, like there is no reason why I can't break into that team and have a go. So it it all just adds to what we've got at the moment, which is a really good feeling. And you know, as we've always said all along, like what a time to be a Red, and it really is because we have been sort of through the mill for years and years, as I say, like the shadow of United and. You know, Chelsea, City. Chelsea, and City, and you like you laughed at for for years because you've not won the league, and then you know now we're the old saying we are back on our perch, well and truly back on the perch, and we're competing for absolutely everything, and there's no reason why we can't do it again next year. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come to that in a, in a few questions because it will be interesting. Yeah. Um, we have to flip the question on its head, though. We have to flip on the worst moment and match. I mean, worst match, I mean, there's probably a couple picks here, but with you going to so many games, it might make your question, uh, your answer a bit more unique. But have you got a worst match? Yeah, and it, I didn't actually go. It was Leicester away. Um, mm. Because it was between that gap in Christmas and New Year, and it was just like for personal reasons, we went out like. Me and my friends, we always gather together between Christmas and New Year and go out to have a few drinks and stuff, and you might not see each other much of the year. So we focused our whole day slash evening around like making sure we got the game in, and it just killed the absolute vibe of the whole night. <laughs> like <laughs> sitting, sitting and watching that. Yeah. We couldn't even hear the commentary properly because it was awful. Um, That's not a bad thing nowadays, to be fair. True, but like, you at least like, like to know why, like, maybe sometimes. What what sort of vibe you get? Um, but it was awful. Um, like it was cold. It was wet. <laughs> you know, like yeah, trudging around Liverpool can be quite windy as well in the winter. Um, and it just killed the whole vibe of the night. And you know, we only lost two games in the all season in the league. So that and West Ham, and I think it was just the whole performance. Of, you know, we we'd beat them in the League Cup, as I said previously, like a few days before, and they Man were in the back of a them, I think, as well. Yeah, I. But you know it, and it's Brendan as well, and his shiny yeah. white teeth, and you know, it just sort of felt like it didn't. We didn't deserve it. Obviously, like no one deserved absolutely everything in football, but you know, like, to them, like the way they'd been playing, they were so poor, mm. and it just felt like yeah, like a, it. You want to forget that game, like West Ham. You can sort of dismiss, I think, and there's not been many other defeats and across they, the they, season. They were quite good as well, to be fair. West Ham. Yeah, and I mean, I know the obvious one would be the Champions League, but as I say, I sort of blanked that game out my memory. Yeah, and, well, it might come into your worst moment because we we all saw and ex- saw through Twitter and stuff, but you actually experienced it. And is that your worst moment, or, or do you just kind of blank that from memory as is there? Um, it probably would be. It's it's the most scariest moment. I I've never been scared of a football match. Mm. I I've been to Goodison and stuff like, and that can be quite toxic because you know whether they're winning or losing as, as we've seen this season, it can be toxic on the old fans. But it when you go, it's different. There, no, it, it Everton it's kind of toxic footbally behaviour. Like, I've never experienced it in person, but yeah. Whereas yeah. from what we've seen, like the the um, crush of fans, the targeting by locals and stuff like that. It's just not something you, I assume you don't experience in this country. Yeah, well, like, the one thing I've, I never thought I'd do, like, uh, like in my 30s, would have to be texting my mum and telling her, like, I was in the ground safe and then 
yeah. I got back to me coaching and it made it like Jesus out of Paris. Like my mum and dad were on holiday and I'm I'm texting him and then like the my brother he's like sending messages back home to me mm-hmm. nan and stuff like and sending my girlfriend messages like because she was seeing what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like you should never have to go to a football match and have to tell your loved ones that you're safe. Like getting into a ground, getting out of a ground. Um and like, you know, getting back to your coach and stuff like that. I you should never have to do that. So that's how frighteningly scary it was, like for me and I I'm not really scared of most things, but that was it was just nervous and horrible and yeah, it, it it's something you never want to go through. Nobody should ever have to go through. Like we thought that the dark days of football were well gone, but that's certainly like brought a lot of memories up for, for other people who experienced like the likes of Hills but on my on my coach coming back, there was older fellas who was just saying like that was worse than Hillsborough because it was all around the ground. It wasn't one end; it was mm. everywhere, like just hostile. And yeah, like the, 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 there's there's plenty of stuff out there on it, and you know it won't be laid to rest. That's the good thing. There's so much evidence that is out there now, and fans have got, and you know French officials can delete the CCTV and so on and so forth and lie through the teeth, but. In this day and age, the modern mm-hmm. day with social media and camera phones and videos, like it's mad. It just took it took Madrid to put their hat in the ring. Yeah, like it, it, that's a scary it, thought. It maybe. won't it won't be laid to rest so easy. And you know, like, we're very thankful that nobody was seriously injured. He was obviously people come out there with cuts and bruises and like, emotional damage, more so. tear tear yeah. gas damage, and yeah, emotional and mental damage, but. Thankfully, nobody was like seriously injured. That's the that's the only like bit of solace you can take from that game. So, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll never have to experience it again. And uh, that that ground and maybe like just the French authorities and French mm-hmm. sport and setup maybe takes a cold hard look at itself and really should be removed from having like Olympics and rugby, rugby world cup. I how... think it happened at the rugby the week after, didn't it, or something like that. I think there was a, another game. Yeah, and then the French national team played there, and he was like football team that they had a lot of mess and stuff. Like it, it, once is a mistake, but you know, several times it's clearly a systemic error. Um, and yeah, I think it, if we if we get Paris in the Champions League next season, it'd be very interesting. If anything. I'd be more of an advocate that we we don't allow fans in our country of theirs, and maybe we don't travel because you know it'll it'll stick one up to UEFA as well. Maybe if we if we refuse access to fans and our fans just outright refuse to go, um, mm. because you know it, it's not a nice place. Like as, as much as you know, it's meant to be the city of romance, so there was nothing romantic at all, yeah. and it wasn't just the ground; it was. Other part of the city, the fan park and stuff, which was actually located south of the city in the the grounds in the north. So it wasn't just the grounds for me. Away, yeah. yeah, it was. It just felt really hostile. And as we were saying before, we were scored. It was meant to be in Russia. We probably would have been a bit safer. Yeah, you were at Madrid as well, weren't you? And yeah, yeah, that's apparently chalk and cheese, wasn't it? Oh, it was glorious in Madrid. And yeah. I know, like Jim went to. Kiev, Kiev yeah. and he said it was like one of the best trips he ever had. So it, it, you know, it's it's a systemic error on their part. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's get back on to hopefully the somewhat more positive stuff and player of the year. I mean, there's there's a few you can easily debate here. It's maybe some people think it's one of one with, with more, but have you got one particular? Yeah, it's Trent. 
Oh, nice. Bit different. Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I said this on a different podcast I do as well, and I just thought, like, he's just improved so much mm. and more more defensively, I think, this year. Like, obviously, actually, again, queuing up going to the game, you, you, you maybe see things that you don't see so much on television that is positioning. Once or twice he's been caught out, but, you know, that, that hasn't happened to everyone. But his one-on-one defending especially, I think, has gone so much better. Um, his covering across the back line especially. Yeah. Um, you know, his assist numbers are up there. I just think I, at his age, there's nobody doing what he's doing. And the obvious ones, obviously, are maybe Salah, uh, Fabinho, maybe Alisson, Virgil. But, you know, I... I Try to look at like who's done, you know, an Most improvement consistently as well. Yeah, yeah, apart from like the last month or two of the season, but he's absolutely shattered. And yeah, I, I think the only thing we could maybe now look for him to improve on is maybe his set piece deliveries from corners and his free kicks. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we we play the game in the ground of like, will it be the first man? Yes or no? First man or uh, not reach the box here? Yeah, <laughs> like you know. We'll have a pound bet, and who's up a down by the end of the game? Who's who's got the most up or downs? On the only good thing for Trent is there is that Robbo's probably worse at corners. <laughs> I know, and as a fan of the NFL, you have like designated kickers to go on. You like think, oh, can't we just throw like Costas on just designated yeah. corners? Um, but yeah, like it's free kicks as well. Maybe you know, we maybe we have something different with next season. Maybe Diaz might have a chop at them. Maybe Nunes. Maybe. Someone else in the midfield or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, you know it. it I Sign just think, Ward Prowse. That's what Jay said. No, just you know, I, I think you watch them in the warm ups. Like you, again, you don't see this on the telly, but when you're in the ground, you you'll sit and watch like the bending these free kicks and shots into the top corner. And you mm. think like, is a wall really that difficult? I mean, I'm not a professional footballer, but you'd think like if you practice a day in day out, you should be able to get it over the wall into the top corner. Um, At least near. Like if it's close, fair enough, but it never is. Yeah, but yeah. I think yeah, he's just been so consistently like improving, and yeah, like what what is always funny is the oh Trent can't defend, and mm. he's compared to Reese James and Kyle Walker and Wan Bissaka, and yeah, I don't watch England and. I'm glad because he's a waste of talent. It'd be frustrating if he is. If anything, it's a it's a blessing that yeah. he's overlooked by Southgate. That he thinks other people are best than him, but that's his choice. He has to live and die in that waistcoat, not me. Yeah, it's funny that it's taken England losing or screwing up three games in the Nations League for people to maybe think maybe Southgate's not as the best manager in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Middlesbrough's failed manager. <laughs> <laughs> you should know better than anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's probably one of the best considering they went Gordon Strachan after that, but that's a different show. Um, yeah, I like the Trent shout. He, he was he was excellent. I like the de- the defensive improvement shout, even though he simply can't defend, obviously. Um, but yeah, that, I said Robbo's name there. I think if you come, Trent's kind of maybe not equal footing with Robbo, but Robbo had a bit of a mixture, but I don't think it's too big a gap between them de- defensively nowadays, so yeah, that's a testament to Trent. Um, you've, ob- you've obviously been long 
I'm going to say affiliated, probably the wrong word, but it's what, what I made. You've been doing AI pods for a while. We used to do the fantasy pod, but this this season you've you've teamed up with Jim. Is that your podcast of the year? I know you did the old school at the end of the season after Paris, but is there a is there a pod with Jim or another one that you're particularly proud of or enjoyed doing? Um, I tell you, probably the last one that I actually did with Jim, like after Paris, because it was quite emotional and raw, and you know he's got the hills with memories, and mm. it was. It was it was hard in terms of as we said what we spoke about and stuff, but there was a lot of comparisons there that we could put together. And you know, Jim's of a few years older than me, so we always put that sort of comparison across with our podcast of the old and the new sort of thing, or the semi-modern, mm-hmm. the the older generation that Jim can put on it. And we've got a couple more lined up for the summer, so you know, be listening out for them. Um, if you're a young scouse, contact Jay or Jim to be the third, third generation. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we. I just enjoy. Like, obviously, it's like speaking with like someone you go to get like, a family member or someone mm. you, you've always you've always known all your life because he's your uncle that got you into football or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, yeah, the last one it was quite emotional um, in terms of like what we said. So. Mm-hmm. That sort of like sticks in your mind um, and stuff, but um, yeah, or the other ones that I listen to, I do, I do like listen to the the Jan Mulby ones with Trev because I like his random swearing outbursts as well. That <laughs> comes out like, <laughs> but he, he swears in the Scouse accent, which is he good. Does. Um, but then yeah, you'll get the occasional Danish accent and on other things, and obviously you don't really get that on on many other platforms. You know, you're getting a a regular. You always get TV people, and Jan's yeah, it's just himself, though. So. Yeah, you're just getting a, an honest guy who's been through it all, and you know he's not going to mince his words. So, if there was a shout out for another podcast to listen to, obviously there's there's several. Like, you, you know yourself, you, you're do, always yeah. in the background of most. Of them. <laughs> yeah. You're probably sick of me. <laughs> but, um, I just like I like that one because it's you know it it sort of doesn't always have to be what's on, on trend or on, mm-hmm. on recent games. He sort of go around the houses, as they say, and touch on several topics. So that that's one I do enjoy listening to. And, yeah, if people haven't listened to me and Jim and one of their more of us, there's always something that we have to talk about. And quite often it, we only touch on what's going on recently in the games a little bit and tend to go a bit off-piste now and again. So we've got... Don't we all? <laughs> we've got a couple lined up. I think hopefully we get one done as we record today is Monday. Um, I think we're going to try and go for Friday this week. So hopefully by the weekend we'll have something else out there and then we try again maybe in a week or two. It's just marrying our schedules up early because I work shifts and Jim mm. works office hours. So we try and fit it in when we can. But every couple of weeks usually is how we do it. Yeah, do do check out Scouts of Tommy's. If there is one later this week, it'll Hopefully the Darwin pods are out the way by then, but God knows with this schedule. But that's kind of what leads us on to it, is, is transfer window hopes or expectations. Like, I'm, I'm touching wood, desk wood, don't worry, but barring a darwin Fekir situation, it looks like he'll be the, the well, second, if you count Carvalho, which you should count Carvalho, but he'll be the first big signing, let's say that. Is there? A, do you want more? I mean, we've got that Ramsey kid linked. Do you expect more? After after Nunes, realistically, probably one. Um, mm. 
and then I, I think as as lads have touched on on like transfer programs, it'd be if I do as outgoings, um, they may you know tempt our hand into into other places like such as obviously Gomez or Simicus or maybe Kelleher going out on loan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that may force us into an issue of maybe recruiting elsewhere. But I, I think obviously we all know the glaring issues midfield. And I, you just want something something a little different. Um, you know, I've, I'm probably in the same camp as Dave. I, I'm not Jordan Henderson's biggest fan, never really have been. I've never not denied it. Um, I know he brings certain things to the team, but quite often it's just a bit plain and Sometimes it would be nice just to have a little bit more spice and variety. And mm. I think it does stem beyond Henderson as well. To be oh, fair, just to bring course. a bit more balance. But yeah, I think. Of course, I think. I yeah. mean, like, there's there's issues obviously with fitness regarding Cater and Cater and Thiago is like Thiago one player. It's managed. like one player, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't just going in and bashing yeah, yeah, that lad. Yeah. It was no, no. Yeah. It was the point of like, you know, we we've had them for so long, and maybe it's like a bit similar to Mane, really, like you've had the lad for so long and you've probably squeezed all the juice out of that lemon that you can. Um, and there's not much left to give other than, you know, the occasional burst here and there. And, you know, obviously the, the target was too many and we all thought it was probably going to get done and it didn't, but... I mean, you are ITG, have you got any info? <laughs> no. Um, I, I'm not, like, from where I got that Thiago one from, I've, I've had a couple of snippets over, like, the last year or two, but not on not in concrete. Um, no, that was just. I think maybe that might have been my just freak one flash you're, in the pan. Your moment happened to know that way he was on a wait for the medical and someone <laughs> was there photographed him and whatever. Um, but yeah, we we just need something a little different. When you look at you know, we we do compare ourselves to Man City quite a lot, and mm-hmm. they've just got a bit more variety in midfield. Haven't they? They've got a, a couple more. Attacking midfielders who, or people who can play in midfield. Hundred mil squad options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, the the Carvalho who's come in, um, the young lad. I, I don't know where he fits in, mm-hmm. um, but you can't put a lot on his shoulders. I think. I think it was mentioned by yourself and who was what pod was listening to? Would you want? Gonna have to narrow it down. I'm on too many. <laughs> when you were, you was, were it, on about was it Curtis Jones, Carl, Yeah, the scouted. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Curtis Jones and stuff like, I'm of the the idea that maybe Curtis does need a loan, but mm. we would need to bring in an attacking midfielder for mm-hmm. that. Because um, maybe you know between Carvalho and Elliot, they could sort of fill an, an attacking midfield role as such. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he needs like a Conor Gallagher sort of loan where he gets out there and plays regularly um, at a high level. And then we maybe reap the rewards. I mean, Mason Mount's like the classic high yeah, um, yeah. example of that for Chelsea. <laughs> and they do it quite well. So hopefully a midfielder, Ramsey comes in, Nunes will be out by the time this is out. Uh, that's probably us then. And if that is... That's fine. That's just as long as the midfielder one doesn't roll on through the summer. We like to be quite efficient and have these lads in before like preseason starts in probably two weeks or something like that. So that would be nice if we can get them in or get the lad in like before like, mid July, so we can give them a good month before the season begins. 
Yeah, absolutely. But that does lead us on to the last question, which is expectations for next season. You, you mentioned Man City there, who we are obviously in battle with most seasons for the title. Is that what you expect? I mean, them, especially with the Haaland signing who got confirmed today, they're probably favourites, but we have to be in that conversation, you'd say? Yeah, I, next season for me is all about the league. Um, I know, as I said before, it might sound a bit hypocritical, but we had our Wembley moments, and mm. another one would be lovely if we, if we could get there again just in one of them. Um, and the Champions League, obviously, we always mm-hmm. aim to do that because of the affiliation we've got with the Champions League slash European Cup. But for me, I'm all in on the league next year. Um, to come so close so often, and the one that we've only won, we didn't really celebrate properly. It just sort of feels like we need to do it. Like not not like we did with the you know thirty years of waiting for it, but it would be so good just to do it for the for the fans and you know getting so close within a point twice in four years and you know as I say we wrote off the COVID year and the other one we won it without fans. It was it was just something I I think we really need to go in for and. I think the five subs will help us next year. We'll be able to mm-hmm. to juggle the squad a bit better. I think the the World Cup for what I know I don't do international football, but I'll probably watch a few games of the World Cup and probably not it will be England. Yeah. Um but it it throws a massive spanner in the works. Nobody really knows how to handle a situation like this because it's never happened before. Mm. And off the top of my head I think Man City probably have more key players going. Ben, I would, I would not say, going, Diaz isn't going. Yeah, uh, I went through this the other day with someone. Robbo won't be going. Uh, Matip won't be going. Trent probably won't be going. Well, if he goes, <laughs> really, he's on the yeah. bench. Um, Kanate, who knows, because he just got in the French squad. And apparently um, uh, Fafana was meant to be his pick as well, but he was getting married, so they didn't oh, take right. him. So, yeah. Good news yeah, for like, us. <laughs> go through this squad, like Fabinho... Who Maybe knows? stars, who knows, because Casemiro... And, um, and Fred, <laughs> for yeah. some reason. Henderson probably doesn't start for England. Um, Thiago probably doesn't He's start for Spain. He's not As you say, Diaz isn't going, Mo isn't going. Jota, 50-50 with Portugal, depends what mood they're in, whether Ronaldo wants him to play next to him or not. Um, and you Nunes will be going. Yeah. But do they just go old school and just go away? Cavani yeah. just for the last hurrah. So yeah, you go through our our squad, and you're probably only looking at like four or five regular players. Um, and I think you know we we'll go into the to the World Cup. Um, I hope if we're not within touching distance of City, that that probably won't be a, won't be a problem. But I think it would be a good psychological factor just to. You know, look at the table for four, five, six weeks, however long it goes on for. I don't know um, if we are within touching distance, or even if we go top. Like if we have a, a good solid start, because I think last year, if I remember rightly, we didn't start too great. I think we were sort of mismatched, and I think that was when we we drew to Brentford, drew to Brighton at home, Chelsea at home, mm-hmm. um, City at home. We sort of dropped a few points at the beginning of the season where. We, if we start strong and put our put our foot on the on the gas and and get ourselves 
points on the board. I think know. that was the difference in nineteen twenty, wasn't it? We just started yeah. per, pretty much perfect. I mean, eighteen nineteen we did as well, but nineteen twenty, I think we literally were perfect, weren't we? So yeah, yeah. Was it was that the one when we went up until like February or whatever when we went I mean, to Watford, Watford before we lost? Game and then everyone was drunk, wasn't it? For the what city did Watford, uh, what, what Watford doing these days? Since getting all these beat us, uh, get all these sacks. It's just a horrid yeah. team. <laughs> and there's probably four different managers in between them and Reigns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I think you know it. It's what I expect as a a title challenge more than anything because you know we we'd love to go for the Champions League and we probably realistically will be in the conversation for at least the last four because we are one of the top teams in Europe. Um, but if someone offered me right now, like you get to the last four or you even go out in the quarterfinals, like you're unlucky or whatever, but you are in for the for the league, I, I would take that right now because, you know, you, you just sort of feel a little bit uneasy, like City, four out of five. Now you don't want to get them five out of six if you can just wedge a couple in there and disrupt them a little bit. Um, you think anyone will be, be able nice. to join us in City? I don't know. It's all if puts and maybes in a transfer window business, but Chelsea and Spurs, I know that's very easy to pick because they were third and fourth, but Spurs looked a lot better second half of the season under Conte. Mm. Um, Although they are rumoured to be buying Richarlison, which doesn't help. Well, <laughs> well, we've had this conversation in work today and the lad next to me seems to think he's worth £65 million and I nearly fell off my chair. Was there a decimal uh, point in there? <laughs> I said, like, bloody hell, £65 million. I went, are you sure that's not about £40 million overpriced? And he was like, well, we paid 50 for him. I was like, yeah, and you got that's ripped off that. <laughs> that's, that's your That's your whole like, downfall of the last 10 years or whatever it is since Moisey left. Like, you've just been a shambles paying 50 million for players like that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if if Spurs got the right players, they, they could arguably get a little bit closer. Chelsea, if they sort themselves out, they've proven that they can be a challenge. Um, I think the main issue for us is we've got to we've got to win our home games, especially against the big boys, as they are put. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, see what the rest of the league holds. It will be a little bit closer. It'd be interesting. I don't think Arsenal will be any no. closer with European football. United are an absolute shambles. It won't get much better there. Um, and then you know, down the league goes down the league. I think what will be interesting is. As we've touched on Richarlison, and how do you have to? Because Calvert Lewin's rumoured to be going as well, isn't he? I do fancy Fulham and Forest to come up and give it a real good crack. Mm-hmm. Um, not overly convinced on Bournemouth. Oh, Bournemouth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they might buy somebody off us who we don't really want for an inflated price. Um, I can't really think off the top of my head. We might want to let go. Maybe Phillips. enough Phillips. Yeah. Um, but I do think, you know, a bit more bad business from them, which is their norm, their go-to, and Frank is not a good manager. It would be good to see them dragged back into it because that did become quite comedy as well. Yeah. <laughs> just like, that was that was the fun part of the season, just seeing them go through all that mess and all that mire and disruption, heads falling off and whatever. So, yeah, a title challenge for us, another relegation battle for them, and I'm happy. Absolutely. 
Right, that was it. Thank you to Jay and thank you, Jim, for the first half of the show. I'm not sure who will be hosting out of the next one, me or Nina, but we'll be probably back next week. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.